You're listening to Waroni Radio's Talk the Talk, Episode 2. Today, we're here with Caleb Antle and Luke Letcher, ANU students and bronze medalists at the Tokyo Olympics for rowing. So kind of moving into like right before the Olympics, how did like the training go? What was the diet like? Going to Rockhampton um, for, was it four weeks or something, a month almost. Um, so it was supposed to be much warmer up there than the freezing cold Canberra winter um, to make it a bit easier for us to train. Um, so we ended up, you know, up in up on the Fritzroy River training out of Rockhampton Grammar School, um, which is a great facility. We went there in 2018 um, before we departed. Um, and so we just really focused on our training. Um, it was sort of, you know, a camp-based sort of thing. Um, there wasn't much going on ar- around us, which was great. And we also managed to get out of all the lockdowns, um, which was really good timing, um, actually. So, um, yeah, we went up there and there's an amazing catering company um, that, that everyone raves about up there that um, really kept us very, very well fed. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, some really good training in and like uh, uh, usually um, as a team we would go away and do international races but because of COVID we didn't do any of that this year um, so our only real gauge on how we're going um, as a crew is against the other Australian crews um, so we do races and compare ourselves to those other crews and get an idea of where we sat um, and, you know, as you, as you saw in what they're calling the hour of power, where we won four medals in four races, that um, although we hadn't had much experience actually racing our own boat class, um, we, were, we were comparing ourselves to world-class boats. Um, so, you know, that, that inability to travel really didn't have much of an effect on us. Um, and it was great being up there in Rocky and, and racing and, and all that. Yeah, um, and in, in, term, in terms of training, the training didn't, change much in the lead up to the games we it, it might have stepped up a bit but our normal training is train, training three times a day six days a week we normally do between 200 and 250k's on the water um plus plus three gym sessions um so that the, the kind the type of training kind of changes as we as we come into racing but the, the amount doesn't doesn't change a significant amount in terms of in terms of diet a lot of a lot of people who don't who don't particularly know rowing at least sort of probably have the have the idea that as athletes we need to eat eat really well, eat really clean, like all this stuff you see like the rock doing on, on his thing to get huge and whatever it is. But in, in rowing it's not really it's not really the case. We are kind of on the old the old seafood diet, seafood need it. Um, the more the more calories you can get in, the more training you can do and the less likely you are to get injured. Um, so it it's pretty much means if, if you can eat more, you can do more training. Um, Pretty simple equation. Yeah. Um, so another question we really want to ask is because you guys have both rode. What? How would you rank the facilities here? Um, yeah. So I sort of started um, rowing at Amy Boat Club maybe 2014. Um, so it was a, it was a while ago. Um, and I actually came over because you know one of the other clubs um, didn't have as much of a high performance program. Um, at as ANU um, and one of the current members ANU um, at ANU Renee Domashens who is going to the Paralympics um, she was one of the coaches there um, so that really drew me to the program and then having other people your own age to train with um, was great um, and ANU had, boat clubs really supported me um, going forward um, and you know being able to use the gym facilities um, I remember there was a time when 
I was studying um, and I couldn't make the, the ACTAS gym times. Um, so I ended up having to train at the ANU gym, um, which was, I really enjoyed the atmosphere there. there. Um, and yeah, I've, I've stuck with ANU um, for what, seven years now. Um, and yeah, it's great to represent them and, and be the first ANU Boat Club Olympian um, is really exciting as well. So um, yeah, I'm, I love being a member of the club and, and those races like the Disha Cup um, are always fun to get around and, and um, you know, just have a bit of fun um, with, with the other club, club rowers. And it's great to see um, a development group coming through through the ANU Boat Club. Um, guys who, who Lucas was training with um, before we selected. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a proud member of, of ANU Boat Club. Um, I'd, I'd say like the, the, thing, the two things that make a, a good rowing program, you, you, can get, you can get away with not having a lot of other stuff. The two things that, that really make the big difference is having a good fleet of boats and having, having good people um, in the right places. And ANU Boat Club's got, got, a, got a pretty decent fleet of boats that, that do quite well for a club program and they've got some, got some people running the place that really know, really know how to run a rowing program. In terms of kind of the qualifications process, how did it work from you rowing in Canberra, going to the Olympics? Uh, it, well, the, 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 third, the first step is to have the boat qualified, um, which needs to happen usually the previous year at uh, World Championships. And so the quad, the quad that raced at World Championships in 2019 came fourth and they needed, the top, they needed top eight to, to get qualified. And then once that happens, then it can then it can turn to deciding who's going to be in that boat. And we go through quite quite a long process over summer. It starts in December and it kind of kind of finishes in February, but it doesn't really finish until the Olympic team's announced um, in June. Um, and so there's quite a long, long drawn out process for us to to work out who was going to be in the boat. And it wasn't it wasn't a particularly straightforward process and it never is. Um, but yeah, we, we ended up with a crew that we, we think worked, worked quite well. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, like Luke said, there's a formal selection process of, that we had to go through where um, you'd have to do erg testing and then single scale racing and double racing. And um, they compare you against other athletes to sort of get a gauge where you sit in the group. Um, and there were a bunch of guys who had medical issues at the trials so we sort of got thrown into the quad as a combination you know the the combination that actually ended up going um just sort of got thrown in um and i guess none of us really expected to to really be you know the olympic quad um i think that we all had reservations about that whether, whether people would come in or out or whatever um and then you know a few weeks into the campaign we sort of clicked you know we're questions in full and we all you know got along really well and it was really positive and, and we could work well as a team um so the boat started to go really fast um and it wasn't until yeah much later as luke said that they actually formally selected the crew um but i think we're all really happy with that decision and um we ended up getting a great result from it and i think um, we absolutely ended up with the right crew and, and you know, as a group, um, everyone um, really brought their strengths to the, to the boat and we managed to work together really well. So I think that, you know, although the selection process maybe was a bit bumpy, um, we ended up with a really good result. <laughs> um, so kind of for those aspiring rowers and athletes, especially here at ANU, any tricks to the trade you want to share? 
Um, well, my number one piece of advice, and I think that our crew really embodied this and, and you know, Luke and I have sort of figured this out, is just do your own thing. I think um, find what works for you and, and really stick to it, I think is the key to success. Um, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's going to approach rowing in a different way. You might be extremely tall. You might be, you know, very powerful. Like, um, obviously, different things are going to work for different people. Um, some people are aerobic. Some people are anaerobic. Like, um, you need to figure out what works for you. You know, take little pieces of advice here and there um, from different people and, and figure out what, what's the most important thing and, and, and what really gets speed for you. Um, and, and absolute persistence, I think, is, is also one of the keys. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for the for younger rowers, there are like a couple of a couple of things that are guaranteed to to get you better faster if you if you find yourself a really good coach and get yourself in a really good training environment. That'll that'll help you get get a long way um, very quickly. Um, and also in, in general, um, up up till up to quite a high point. If you do if you do more training, you'll probably you'll probably start to go faster as well. Um, so it. The, the, there, there is a cap on how, how much training you can do, but it's, it's remarkably high. Um, so the, those, those are probably the two things. Like, like Caleb said, we've all, we've all found, found our own thing for, for what works for us. Um, and for me, for me in my rowing, that was, that was doing a bit less. Um, to be honest, I, I had a lower training load than a lot of the other guys in the, in the group. Um, but I also recognise that that's that's not something that will get the most out of every other athlete. But I've I've worked out over the years that that's that's what's appropriate for my body and my rowing and getting the most out of me on race day. So speaking of those uh, aspiring rowers, we've got actually some questions from some students today and you hero. I might just do some quick fire stuff. So favorite erg tests. <laughs> uh, Two K erg test. So that's that's the that's the standard. That's the that's the most important one for us, and it's also the one that hurts the most and hits the most hits the most physiological boxes to to be the most unpleasant. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the erg. I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> shorter the better for me. Um, so I don't know. We hardly ever do any short erg tests. So, um, but yeah, a, a 500 is not bad. Um. So. Next one, in general, favorite workout. Um, Friday afternoon, upper body weights. Um, I I quite like a um, a short a short fast interval interval kind of erg session. Um, there's something there's something quite quite sort of pure about just sort of seeing it like trying to reach your max over and over again. So this question is a bit more general. Um, I can kind of anticipate what the answer might be. But um, what's the most interesting place that rowing has taken you for both racing and training? We've been around. Um, yeah, been a few places. Yeah, if you're on the team for long enough, you end up traveling pretty much half of Europe. Um, I'd say the most interesting place I've been to is probably Bulgaria um, in terms of driving around and, and seeing the city and, and you know, the, the Eastern Bloc buildings everywhere and... Um, the the massive hotel that we stayed in that looked like something out of a I don't know Russian mafia movie 
Um, so that was a fascinating place um, to go to um, in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. I mean, one, one place that's really hard for me to look past is um, where our training base is in Northern Italy. We, uh, there's the, uh, the AIS European Training Centre up in, up in a tiny little town called Gavarate in Northern Italy. Um, we train right at, the, right at the base of the Alps. Um, no one in the town speaks any English, and it's just this really unadulterated small town Italian um, experience. And it's, we, we spent quite a lot of time up there, but it's, it's a, it is a pretty pretty incredible place to be um, for training. And I'd, I'd say I'd say for racing, one of the most phenomenal places to race is at Henley Henley Royal Regatta in the United Kingdom. Um, partly because of the history of the place and the association that it has with rowing um, but also that you're racing over a little over 2,000 metres one-on-one, it's this really intense form of racing and on, on the Saturday you've got 40,000 people down one, down one bank um, drunk, mm. and scre- drunk, drunk and screaming at you all day long so that, as, in terms of a rowing experience it's, that's, that's got to be pretty high up on the list. In terms of a race plan for the quad going right into the final was there one what was it like yeah so i um i make the calls in the boat um so during the race i'm the one i'm the one talking and so you know our coach always says to us that you know we don't do pushes we do focuses that sort of thing so um we just have general themes that we follow throughout the race um and then pretty much you know we we completely trust each other to all the way through the race so we don't need to worry about um you know having a push here or there or whatever we're, we're going to be at max um and it wasn't until the last sort of 250 um that i started to really make some demands um from the crew because i looked across and i saw we had you know two two seats what they call it so maybe two meters um to catch up on the polish to get a medal um, so I let everyone know, and, and as we started to move, I was, I was counting them down, you know, one seat, and we started to really wind it up. Um, you know, the, the sprint of the line that we, that we practiced so many times finally came into play, and um, we always knew it was going to be a strength of ours that we could, we could really hit some peak speed towards the end um, if we needed to, and, and we sliced through the Polish um, like butter, pretty much. Um, and it wasn't until the end of the race that I realised how close um, Great Britain were. They were only 0.2 of a second um, ahead of us. So, um, yeah, we really started to fly in that, that last 250. And, and when other crews, you know, couldn't handle the conditions and people were losing oars and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, our, our ability just to, to stay on task and, and really move the boat um, really shone through. Yeah, I mean, I'd say another thing that... Uh that our coach says to us is um, the things that make, make the boat go fast are the things that make the boat go fast, um, which, <laughs> which sounds pretty ridiculous, but there's, there's, no, there's no silver bullet to a race plan. There's no, there's no part of the race where you, need to, where you need to do something or not do something that's going to make the difference. Um, our, our race plan was effectively just to have the boat being at its optimal speed for every, every stroke of the race. Um, and trust, trusting in each other that we all wanted to be in that race and we all wanted to make the boat go as fast as we could. Another one about the race, pre-race. Any kind of ritual, any kind of funky prep you guys do? Um, Caleb and I were in a crew together back in um, 2016 as well on the under-23 team. 
And we had we had one member of our crew who was really really superstitious. He had he had all his little little rituals and things. And in that in that crew, we kind of we just started out kind of taking the piss out of him. But it, then then it almost kind of became a superstition in itself to avoid superstitions. Um, so I'd, I'd say my my, uh-huh. my pre race superstition is to avoid superstitions if I if I find myself getting caught in caught in something that I think is gonna gonna be the thing that makes the difference then um that kind of I kind of get slapped out of that pretty quickly. Um yeah we all have our own sort of um warm up routine um before the race. So you just you know usually start with some stretching and rolling and that sort of thing and then you end up getting on the on the rowing machine to get the blood pumping. Um I was listening to music before the race. I listened to a lot of bicep um to get me going. Um, and then, you know, after, after our, you know, warm up and that sort of thing, cause it was so hot in Tokyo, we'd go and sit you know, and put um, these towels that have been soaked in ice water um, over ourselves to try and cool ourselves down. Cause we weren't allowed to have an ice bath cause of COVID. Um, uh, so that was sort of our, our pre-race thing. And um, there weren't many words said um, before our final, just, um, I just said, do our best, fellas. You know, that's that's all we can do, and that's all that matters. Um, so there was no no big hoo ha or anything. It was just um, give it give it everything you got, um, and just and just keep working together. Why would you say rowing is unique in that uh, many Olympians start quite late in life compared to kind of other sports? Um. I'd say rowing is a sport that um, it relies heavily, obviously, on your on your physiology, um, and those those physiological elements don't. And, and there's, there's a lot of different physiological elements, and they don't sort of combine for their peak performance until you're about 28. Um, so you don't you don't see many 20 year olds at the Olympics. It's pretty unusual um, because because their body isn't as good as it could be. And if, if your body's not as good as it could be, the chances are that someone else's is. Um, that's, that's, probably the, that's probably the main reason. Sorry, yeah. I'm there is a big component of rowing that's highly technical. Um, but it's a skill that you really have to develop over time um, to be able to consistently move the boat um, quite well. So I think that on, on top of those, you know, physiological things, there's, there's a technical element that you can't just pick up. Um, the, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen anyone who's never rowed before try and get in a single and row. Uh, they're almost 100% going to fall in the water. Um, it's it's a very difficult task, and and it, it takes many many years to get good at. Um, and yet, on top of what Luke's saying, that the race is sort of between five and a half to to seven minutes. Uh, so it's not. It's not aerobic, you know. You're not running a marathon, and it's not it's not extremely explosive, um, like weightlifting or sprinting or whatever. It's it's a weird middle ground where you have to sort of be both. You have to be very strong and very aerobic. Um, so that's why it takes so long to to develop that ability, um, and that's why you see people come to the sport a bit later. And uh, I sort of I took a break. Once I finished school, I, I took a year and a half off almost when I was studying to, to sort of move away from rowing. And, and um, I actually got pulled back in by Nick Hunter, the president of ANU Boat Club. He, he convinced me to go to a couple of uni games uh, where Luke and I actually uh, raced together, together where, whereas, you know, 
uh, Luke, Luke's been in, in the team since he was, what, 17, 16 or something. Um, yeah. So I, I was a, a slightly later, but, but you know, people coming come to their best, you know, towards their, their late 20s sort of thing. Yeah, and then like, like I've said with the technical aspect of it, it's, it's, it's not just that it's hard, it's also that it's really, really counterintuitive. Um, the, and, the, and it doesn't get any more intuitive as you as you go along. Um, like you can see a lot of you can see some very strong, physically capable people that just never quite get it because they're they're approaching it mentally the wrong way. Yeah, I think a lot of people they miss the fact that you're on water. I think is is the key thing that that people sort of miss is it's. It's not you're not dragging yourself through cement. It's not it's not a hundred percent power. It's not about just you know yanking on the oar as hard as you can. Uh, you, you have to actually work with the water and 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 be fluid with your movements um, because you know just maximum power does not equal speed, um, and it, it takes a long a lot to, a lot of time for some people to really to realise that. And you know you almost have to take a step back to go faster sometimes. Thanks for answering all these. Uh... Some of them I know are a bit weird and random questions, but um, thanks for coming to chat today, guys. Um, thanks for bringing home a medal. No worries. Having us. Uh, some great questions. Thanks for having us. Do you want to see it? Here it is. Oh, how did you know? That's, that's pretty slow. <laughs> I've been looking at it nonstop, pretty much. <laughs> are you going to hang it up somewhere? Uh, maybe I don't know. This is the I actually I've been wearing it for like a week now. So no. <laughs> <laughs> when I can bring myself to take it off, then then I'll I'll hang it somewhere. Yeah. That's fair. I I'll probably do the same. <laughs> <laughs>Thanks for listening to Waroni Radio's Talk the Talk with bronze medalists Caleb Antle and Luke Letcher, presented by Fergus Sherwood.